Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So I was sitting with my friend the other day and... I asked her, okay, so if anything in the world could happen to you, if you could have like the coolest day ever, what would that day look like? And she paused for a few minutes and she was like, well, someone would probably just like automatically drop a ton of money in my bank account and life would be pretty good. And then she paused and she said, but wait a minute, what would I actually do with that money that was put in my bank account? And we went in this whole long discussion about different things that she should think about if this fictitious amount of money just happened to show up in her bank account. So I thought, this might be a good idea for a podcast. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, this is Millennial Money, and today we're talking, you got a financial windfall, now what? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. 
Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. So you might not actually have the problem that my friend was having. You're probably thinking, well, I have like a million ideas for what I would do with, with a financial windfall. I know I can think of a few things that I would do. Probably top on my list would be like taking at least six months, but maybe a year off to just go roam around Europe and maybe I'd pick up a job here or there. Maybe I'd still do the podcast. I still do the things that I would that I love to do, but I would do a lot of other stuff that maybe I didn't even know that I love to do, but just explore and, and see the world. That's probably what I would do. Uh, I'd probably find a good charity maybe to donate to, but if I'm going to be honest, I'd probably be a little selfish to start off. I might not end up that way, but definitely in the beginning, I think that is where my intentions would fall. And I don't know about you, maybe you might do the same. Maybe you might have better intentions for a financial windfall than I, but if I'm going to be honest with you, that's definitely tops on my list. So I thought, you know, when I was coming up with ideas for this episode, what might be some fun things to start and and open the discussion about financial windfall? Because it it actually is a, a serious topic, but, you know, I think there's this fascination certainly in the U.S. culture, but I think this might be worldwide. I know that each country has like a different version of the lottery system. And when the lottery numbers are at their all-time high, I mean, people just go crazy. Like there's office pools around putting money in for the lottery and there's big discussions on, you know, how are we going to split up the lottery proceeds when we win? And long lines, I mean, people just waiting sometimes for like hours I've seen on the news for lottery tickets. So I did a little research on the lottery and I thought that uh, you might be fascinated by some of this. So the odds are actually one in 175 million that you'll win the lottery. You could maybe argue that those odds are fairly good, but (laughs) those are some odds. And we typically in the US spend about $70 billion a year on tickets, $70 billion a year. So there's a lot of us out there that are really hoping we're actually going to win the lottery. And interesting, New Yorkers actually are on the top of the list with more than $9 billion in sales. But I guess that kind of makes sense. It makes sense to me because it's so expensive to live in New York. And I think New Yorkers want the you know, the really nice lifestyle, the maybe amazing penthouse apartment. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to play the lotto and trying to beat those odds to get some cash to maybe just make your lifestyle a little bit better. Or, I mean, honestly, the pizza is pretty damn good in New York. So maybe you just want to eat pizza and bagels for the rest of your life, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's certainly what I love to do when I go to New York. So the biggest jackpot actually was in 2016 in the U.S., and it was a $1.6 billion Powerball. It's the largest ever one with a single ticket. I mean, can you imagine that? A single ticket, and you won $1.6 billion. Even if you take away half of that for taxes, (laughs) that's a lot of money. I mean, 
that is just more money than most people can even dream about. I mean, if you look at some of the richest people in the United States, it's taken them many, many years to amass well over a billion dollars in in fortune. And, you know, you could argue, like, are they really worth that much money? Because once you split all the fees and you liquidate the stock and blah, 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 are they really billionaires? Certainly millionaires. But in one fellow swoop, like if you went to bed tonight and you woke up tomorrow morning and you suddenly were $1.6 billion richer, I think that would just... I don't even know if I could conceive what I would feel like. It's got to be like this, just this crazy feeling of like, this cannot be my life. Like this cannot be happening to me. And that's probably why we stand in line for hours and hours or, you know, buy a ton of tickets or whatever we do is maybe for a glimpse at that particular feeling. The second largest U.S. lottery prize was a 656 million mega millions prize won by three people in 2012. So still, even if we're splitting that by three people, that is a heck of a lot of money. So needless to say, the the lottery winnings, they just keep getting bigger and bigger. And so I was really curious to find out, okay, let me do a little research to see why are these numbers getting bigger and bigger. And this is interesting. Do you know that much of the lottery winnings are left on the table, which is why the drawings keep getting bigger and bigger? And I read in a lot of articles, the average amount is around, this is going to shock you, it's around $800 million a year that goes unclaimed in the lottery. So people are standing in line, people are buying the tickets, people are winning, and then they're not following through or claiming the winnings. I mean, that to me right there is just absolute craziness because I can't even imagine why would you not <laughs> why would you not look at the numbers on the ticket and figure out whether you won anything I mean I think I won like five dollars once one of the only times I've ever played the lottery and I, it was literally to me it was like I won a billion dollars I was so excited to win five measly dollars and I think I had bought the ticket at a 7-Eleven or something. This was quite a few years ago. And I'm like, all right, I'm in 7-Eleven. Like, I got to spend the $5 now, which is probably not the best thing to do with it. I probably bought a few Slurpees and a Snickers bar or something like that. But can you believe that? Like $800 million a year goes unacclaimed. Okay, so let's get to the question that you're probably thinking about. This was certainly on my mind. Why do the lottery winners go broke? Why why does this happen? I mean, I guess because on one hand, it's not shocking, right? You wake up tomorrow, you've just won whatever amount of money, millions or billions of dollars. So it's probably not shocking if, you know, you go a little overboard, a little excess with your spending, you probably give it out to a lot of people. I don't know. But then on the other hand, it is a bit shocking, right? Like, what does that say about financial preparedness, financial literacy in our country? Does that, I, I mean, there's there's so many different questions around that for me. How does that happen? You know, is the people just taking advantage of you and they're, you know, grabbing at your money and they're putting it in bad investments? I I don't know I don't even know quite how to rationalize that one but the average statistic is that most 
winners. Most winners, the number is far over 50%, go broke in the first five years. So you win that kind of money, and within five years, you're broke. You have none of that money left. Now, that takes some effort. It takes effort. Let's say you win, you take home. Let's pretend you take home. I'm just going to pick a random number. Let's say you take home 20 million or 30 million or 40 million dollars, anything in that range. If you smartly invested that money and you lived off just the interest for the rest of your life, you would live like a king and queen. You could then pass that money down through generations. They could also live like kings and queens. And that doesn't mean you're not splurging on stuff. You, you're living in a nice house. You're driving a nice car. You're going on nice vacations. You're living the celebrity lifestyle. You're just being smart with that particular amount of money. But you're going broke. The statistics are they're going broke within five years. So I, I don't know if you're just buying a convertible and putting money in the in the convertible and putting the top down and just driving really fast down the street for weeks and weeks and weeks and the money is just flowing out. I mean, you have to work really, really hard to spend that kind of cash. It can be done, but you have to just make so many decisions. And I, I wonder, is there a point where you wake up and you think, wow, this money's almost gone. I've really had to spend hard and this money's almost gone like holy crap what am i going to do but i don't think that happens to most people and it's 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 just a really fascinating i think thing to think about and and tie that to financial literacy in general in our country and how there is just such a lack of it and we're not taught this stuff ever so of course how are we supposed to even have any idea of good, good money moves to make It seems, of course, the more you win, the more likely you're to go broke and fast. And this just, I mean, I guess that that's not shocking, right? I thought this was really interesting. In a Gallup poll, 67% of Americans said they would actually keep working if they won $10 million in the lottery. That's cool. I think that's that's pretty cool. I mean, the idea of doing nothing sounds really great, but how fast would that get old? It's, it's a puzzling question, and you're probably thinking, well, it won't get old for a while, and maybe it wouldn't get old, but I think we all like to be doing something. Maybe we just wouldn't care about raises or our starting salary, or would we? Or is being smart with our money, valuing our worth, and thinking about if we did get a big financial windfall, how can we make this work for us so that that windfall grows and that windfall continues? Maybe for our life, at least, if not, if we have a kid or we have somebody who's close to us, maybe you can continue for their life. I think that's the smart way to think about financial windfalls, even though the likelihood is when you get a windfall, it's just like all logic leaves your brain. It just flows out of your brain. And all you can think about is all the cool things to buy, but maybe I'm a little voice of reason here because I've seen it happen to a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. <laughs> and I can tell you of all those, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that I've seen who've gotten big financial windfalls, a lot of them don't have that money anymore. And they wish they could go back in time and kind of change things so they can make different decisions. So maybe you won't win the lottery. 
I hope you do, though. <laughs> I hope I do. I hope you do. Uh, I probably need to play the lottery to win the lottery, so there's a little something going on there. But if we're looking at the odds, there's a real big chance that a relative might pass away or somebody in your family might pass away and leave you with some some cash. And maybe it might be completely unexpected. Maybe you might have an idea that that's coming. And although it seems really like an easy problem to have, you know, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, even if you're, even if you aren't and you're trying to figure out what to do with the cash, it can be really confusing. So let me tell you this little story. I have a friend and we'll just call her Rebecca. And let's just say she's married to Robert. Easy enough names, right? Uh, so unfortunately, both of her parents passed away a couple years ago, all within the same year. And she was unaware that she was going to be inheriting some money. Now, it wasn't a ton of money, but it was more money than they knew they were going to have for the year. And it was essentially like two years, I would say, additional of one of their salaries. You know, so it's it's a it's a fair amount of money. And she was really, I guess the word is distraught. She didn't know what to do with the cash because to her... This check was what was left of her parents, who she obviously loved a lot, and she didn't know what to do with the money to, to make it last, to have some fun with it, but also to kind of carry on a legacy and really feel like her parents were proud of her, of what she what she was doing with the money. And it actually caused great like stress and anxiety with her and she just didn't know what to do. She sat on the check for a really, really long time before she even deposited it in her bank account because she thought, well, once I deposit it in my bank account, it's real. This situation is real. This is really the money from my parents passing away and I got to make some decisions with it. So we had a long talk. We talked about a lot of different things, a lot of different options. And I think at the end of the day, she she just felt better that she was a little bit more empowered and that she had a couple choices to choose from. And and so I thought, well, let's talk about some, some of the ideas, some of the things that I threw out to her in case you're in this situation, just to maybe help you put a little action plan together or think ahead some of these things. So, you know, the most logical place to start, which may not seem totally logical, but if you have a 401k, it's your 401k. This move carries a lot of tax benefits, right? So contributions are taken out of your paycheck pre-tax. That lowers your taxable income for the year, which is always a plus. The investments grow tax deferred until you withdraw them at retirement. And if you have an employer match, you can take advantage of that. So you've got a lot of pluses going for you if, if you have a 401k. If you don't have a 401k, you can look into funding a Roth IRA if you're eligible, and it works a little bit differently, but again, contributions to the Roth are made after tax, and your investments still go tax-free, but unlike a 401k, there's no income tax on the withdrawals made in retirement. So it's a little different flavor of saving for retirement, but you're still going to get bang for your buck. It's just going to look a little bit different. So I think once you think about that, then it's the process of, okay, is there any nasty debt that is not serving me well? Like credit card is definitely the first place to start that you can get rid of. 
And some people might say, well, why wouldn't I just pay off the credit card debt first? And you might. You might have enough debt at high interest rates where it makes sense to just get rid of that debt. But I also think there's a big argument for at least doing half and half. Half the money into your retirement or some sort of investment vehicle that's growing and then half of it into paying off the debt so you can nip that in the bud because that way you're kind of moving in both directions. So think of it this way. Let's say you have a credit card and it's got a $10,000 balance. It's got a 20% interest rate. That would cost you $11,680 in interest if you made $200 monthly payments. It would also take you more than nine years to repay that debt. So in situations like that, it might make sense, depending on how much money you get in the windfall, just to get rid of that toxic debt that isn't serving you well. Now, you might also have other debt. You might have some student loan debt left. You might have some car debt left. And if that's at a low enough interest rate, I tend to pause and think then, why would I put my money towards low interest debt? And I'm talking debt that's interest rate 7%-ish and lower. Why would I get rid of that debt versus putting the money in something that's going to grow and has the potential to grow more than that 7%? So there's a balancing act and, and just that's a question for you to answer. That's not one for me to answer for you, but it's some food for thought of thinking about debt maybe in a little different way. I mean, credit card debt, absolutely. It's nasty. It's expensive debt. And we feel so much better when we just get rid of it. But there is a pause in, well, if I have a lower interest debt, maybe I just keep paying that debt and I put my money to work in a different place. It's also good to think about, you know, if you just get a raise at work. So if we're talking your financial windfall is something like, hey, you got a 20% or 50% increase at work, you could see how much cash you could save by getting rid of that high interest debt without sacrificing your savings, but to put that money to work in the best way possible for you. Another thing to think about in the windfall situation is why not give some money? Is there a charity you love or even maybe there's a family member you want to help start a business or get a leg up? You know, you can give to a charitable organization. They're usually called 501c3. So you definitely want to make sure if you're giving money to an organization that you're giving it to a tax-exempt organization. But it's really useless if it's a sizable donation because it may not help your taxes. So I'm not saying useless in you shouldn't give the money to the charitable organization. Absolutely not. I'm just saying if you're giving it to the charity to help you in taxes, there's some things to think about. If you itemize your taxes to get a deduction, And itemizing only makes sense if your deductions are going to add up more than the standard deduction. I know that's like, whoa, Shauna, that is a lot of accountant talk there. But okay, let me break it down to you this way. So for 2018, all of us in the U.S. get a standard deduction that is $24,000 if we're married individuals filing jointly or $12,000 for single individuals right off the bat, all right? So... If our deductions that we're trying to take in a year are below that number for the standard deduction, we're not going to itemize. If we don't itemize, we're not going to get a bang for our buck with our charitable donation. Doesn't mean you can't donate to charity. Absolutely. I think that's one of the best things you can do with your money. But 
just want to give you something to think about there. Now, if we're talking about giving money to family and close friends, that doesn't carry tax benefits. But you can give up to $15,000 per individual in 2018, and you don't have to file a gift tax return. So if your cousin or your brother or your sister, whoever it is, wants to start a business, you just came into a financial windfall this year. This number changes every year. But this year, you're like, hey, here's $15,000. Go start your business. Cool. You wouldn't have to file a gift tax return or anything, right? Does that make sense? And also, if you're giving money to charity, one of the best things to do is just keep any records of your contribution, a receipt, anything. I always keep a copy of the checks just so that you have some sort of records of you made this contribution, particularly if it's a large contribution. If you don't want to do a big gift, that's not a big deal right? That's completely up to you. But if you do, even if you decide to do a charitable gift and you've come into a windfall, I really am a big fan of, look, talk to your accountant first. If you don't have one, find one, ask them the question, just make sure that you're doing it the quote unquote right way so that, you know, maybe you're, you're positioning yourself in the best way possible. Okay. So a couple other ideas. What else can you do? Well, let's say you're you have a young child, you just, you're having a baby or you want to have a baby in the future. 529 plans, great way to save for college. We had College Backer on the podcast. We did an episode from Abby from College Backer. And they're one of the easiest ways I have found to help you set up a 529 plan. Really affordable. And again, a 529 plan is just a place to put money that is invested particularly for college. And I'm I'm I love 529 plans. I think they're great. I think as with anything financial, it's probably not a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket. So, you might want to put a little bit of money in there, particularly if you have a young child. I think you know, the trend is definitely that college is innovating. And if you think about all the options we have right now for college, like online college, alternative college, a lot of people aren't going to college. I just think the future trend is that if you had a baby this year, the odds of them going to a traditional college in 18 years, I think it's it's not that it's slim. I'm just saying that there are, are potentially going to be a lot of different variations of what college looks like. I'm hoping that some of these training for trades and different careers where you can make a crap load of money that have kind of been outcast in the last few years, I hope those come back because those jobs are really needing people and you can make some really good cash and you don't have to go to a traditional four-year college and be $200,000 in student loan debt. So the whole point of the story is, I think if you want to set up a 529 plan for your child or your future child, it's a good idea. Just don't put all your money in there because you know if they don't go to college, you've got potentially a tax benefit for uh, I should say a tax penalty, not a tax benefit, <laughs> a tax penalty for taking that money out if they don't go to college. And I, you know, I'm just not a fan of paying penalties if I don't have to. Or another thing is you can just invest in you. I call it kind of like the CYA, you know, cover your ass. There's a lot of risks that maybe you've left yourself exposed to that you've just thought, well, 
I'll get to that later. I'll, I'll get to that when we've got more cash. I'll get to that when I paid off my student loans. I'll get to that when the credit card debt is gone. We all do it. We all make those excuses of I'll just kind of get to that later. But maybe it's life insurance. Maybe you're exposed in that particular area, but you don't feel like you can actually afford that right now. I would tell you again that a term life insurance policy when you're young and you're healthy is so super affordable. And there's great online companies like Haven Life and Policy Genius where you can get life insurance policies in the easiest way humanly possible these days. And you can just kind of get that taken care of, particularly if you have a family, if you're married, if you're in a long-term relationship. I like to think about life insurance as uh, if something were to happen to the other person, you have a windfall of cash that gives you a lot of options of how you want to manage your lifestyle going forward. So it's like a windfall in a windfall, right? Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. 
Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ETM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash ETM. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hi, I'm Karina Bemisterfer, host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Another thing to think about, disability insurance. I know we don't like to talk about insurance. We don't like to think about insurance. But I'm a big fan of disability insurance because it's really there to help you protect your number one asset, which is your paycheck, your ability to earn income. And if something happened to you, if you were sick or hurt and you couldn't work over 90 days plus, where is the money going to come from? Where are you going to get the money to pay for the lifestyle that you're living? Even if you cut down your lifestyle, you still have got to have money. And if you're sick or hurt, 
you most likely have to have someone take care of you. Well, where is that money going to come from? So I think thinking about these types of insurance policies, although we don't like to think about them, we certainly don't like to spend our money on them. But if something were to happen, you're going to be really super thankful that you did. Uh, And then think about, you know, are there any other risks that maybe you're exposing your bank account to that you're just not thinking about? And those could be something different for every single person. But it's spending some time thinking about these things, you know, and and really thinking about your, your finances in a more holistic way. So when you get that big amount of money, you have some ideas of what to do. And of course, you can always use the funds to splurge a little. I highly, highly, highly um, suggest that as a good option. (laughs) We all need a little splurge. We all need to go take a two-week vacation. Go do something wild and crazy, but, you know, do it within reason to the amount of windfall that you got. And, you know, you can always grow your emergency fund. Why not get a healthy 12 months worth of expenses saved so you can be a little more risky with that business you want to start or that career change you want to do? You know, you just buy yourself some options. I think that's a a great way to think about financial windfall. It doesn't always have to go to paying off debt or doesn't always have to go to something big. It could just go into a bank account to be there when you need that money. But I think you know, after talking with my friend and kind of having her freak out and and go overboard on this like truly hypothetical conversation we were having about what would she do if she got a windfall, I find it really funny because I've talked to a lot of people. I've asked people this question a lot. And it's funny because they always get to like, well, of course I would love somebody to drop money in my bank account. And then they start thinking about, well, what would I do with the money? And every single person, they kind of go down this whole um, train of thinking and it turns into, well, is, maybe this isn't even a good thing. I don't know how to think about this. So, you know, I, th- I think it, if that magical fairy dropped cash from the sky, the thing to think about is, what would you do with it? You know, at least having some some ideas that you could pencil out and you could figure out where you could get the most bang for your buck. So you can have that bit of financial irresponsibility and do the fun stuff you want to do, but you could also take that money and not turn into one of those statistics, those 70% of people that win big lottery winnings and go broke in the first five years. Because that has to be the biggest tragedy ever. <laughs> I mean, it still is blowing my mind. I'm sorry, I'm going back to the statistic because it is still blowing my mind that 70% of the people go broke in five years. I mean, I just think that takes so much effort in order to do that. And what could we, we could like change so many lives with the amount of money they're winning, not only their life, but all these other people's lives Maybe if they just have the right financial tools or the right people in their corner or the right ideas. And I come back to this question of what are we doing in this country? What are we doing with financial literacy? Why are we not teaching people this stuff? Why are we not arming people with strategies and ideas? Is this is this all really conspiracy? I mean, is this the way we we want it? And it's just going to keep getting worse because if it gets worse, there's more opportunities for companies to take advantage of us. There's more fees we're going to end up paying for our money. I mean, is this really what it's going to be like? I certainly hope not. It's certainly 
a reason I'm doing this podcast is like, let's just try and fix this thing, right? So anyway, (laughs) if you get a windfall, which I hope you do, just stop and think, what is the best way I can use this money so that I can keep this money growing and I can turn whatever amount of money I got into more money or I can turn whatever money I got into the best way to protect myself going forward. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. And if you love this podcast, please do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media, and head on over to any podcast player you're listening to this episode through and leave us a review. 